You're up, Mark. Ahead, Mark. Oh, I'm on. Yeah, good morning. Uh, nice to see everyone's smiling faces this morning and hope everyone is doing well today. Uh, I'm going to welcome you to the services here at Northwest Church of Christ. Uh, a few observations uh, before we get started. One is uh, there's basically no dress code, which is really, really a different situation except my wife pointed out that Nathan appears to be wearing a San Antonio Spurs t-shirt. So we do draw the line at some point. So uh, other than that, everybody looks really good. Uh, a couple of other observations. Uh, I've got a sad observation, a good observation, and a scary one to start today. Uh, the sad one is uh, this new format where we're all at home and, and Kent is controlling everything uh, there at his house has basically made me obsolete. My uh, specialty, I thought it was, getting everyone quiet before we started the service. So now it's being done with the click of a mouse. So uh, uh, again, very sad on my, my part. A good thing about this uh, situation is my wife made the comment a few days ago that this is the most services in a row that I have sat by her for the entire service. So she's really happy about that. And hopefully someday I'll be back up in the crow's nest, back to normal. Thanks. And then the, uh, the scary observation is I'm actually missing having to call Henry Cooper out for standing up while we're trying to get the service started. So that is scary that I missed that. And once we're back in the building and he's up doing it again, I'll probably get over it. So that being said, it's time to begin our service. And today's uh, participants, uh, David Cabral will have our prayer. Coleman Lemons uh, will have our scripture. Evan is running the song slideshows. Alton Walker will have our Lord's Supper message. And Kevin Burley will have the elders closing prayer. And Ken Brown will be bringing the lesson. So good morning, everyone. All right. I don't think I see David on this morning. Um, let's see. I believe he is on. Okay. Can you unmute him, Evan, if you see him? I don't see him either, Kent, but if you need me.
Yeah, Bill, go ahead. Okay, let's pray. No, I just found him. I just found him. Okay, go ahead. David, go ahead if you can hear me. David, whenever you're ready. Well, I'm not hearing him. Bill, if you don't mind, go ahead and opening us in prayer, and, and we'll try and catch David later if we get an opportunity. Okay, Ken. Pray with me, guys. Father God, we're so thankful that we're able to gather this morning and be with our loved ones. Uh, Father, we so miss the times that we would normally be spending together in close fellowship, and yet, Father, it's it's rewarding to be able to see and hear everyone. Father, we again pray for those who are suffering during this time from illness and from financial hardships. Uh, Father, we pray that you would help each one of us to reach out to them and do the things necessary to lift their burden a bit. And we also pray, Father, that you would help us to stay connected to one another, uh, whether it be through cards, phone calls, FaceTime, whatever the situation would be, to to demonstrate, to reach out, show the love to one another. Uh, Father, we're thankful for Dale's improvement, that he's able to be here this morning, that we can see his smiling face, for Marcellus and for the strength that he exudes every time we see him, Father, for the inspiration that he is to so many. Uh, Father, we pray that you would bless this service this morning, that you would bless Kent, as he has prepared the thoughts for us, and especially, Father, for all of those who are not able to be with us this morning, we pray that you would help them to uh, feel your love and your strength at this time. All these things, Father, we ask in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Hey, David, I just saw you and unmuted you. Would you mind praying for us again and also including one in Spanish? David, I think your phone might be muted. Uh, can you check the microphone on your phone? Oh, no. Try again next week or later, but... Thanks for bearing with all of us in this, uh, giving us grace as we kind of continue to figure some of this out. Um, all right, Coleman, if you could do our scripture reading. I'm reading John 1, 9 through 14 from the New American Standard Version. <clears throat> There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. The one and only Son. In the beginning was the Word. 
the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made.
it is, of course, very unique, a very unique situation for us to gather together like this. But yet there are, there's a certain element that is the same, something that we've been doing already, that this passage that I want to read from, from Philippians 2 very well illustrates. And the Bible reads, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in one accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's Philippians 2, 1 through 4. One of the gentlemen that I'll usually see every week through our Highways and Byways ministry when I actually go out and minister to them is a gentleman that is a gentleman who calls himself Old School. I don't know his real name. Old School is the only name that I've known him by. And whenever I have sat and and had conversation with him. He's of course noticed the name, the church's name on the side of the building. And he has remarked and told me that he knows that what I'm doing, that what we are doing is from God because of how that we represent Christ by ministering to the needs of others and not just thinking of ourselves. And of course, Mr. Old School is right. It's been remarkable to me how much we have in fact been able to reach out to others through so many different mediums, just as Philippians 2 illustrates, looking not to our own needs, but to the needs of others having Christ as our ultimate example. So as we're sharing this morning, that's what we are continuing to do. We're sharing with each, uh, with each other. We're sharing this bread and we're sharing this cup as one having the same mind, being of one accord. We're separated and yet we're all together. And we can participate in this way, sharing in this oneness of purpose every day as we've been doing. And I have to, at this time, also share that I know that many of you have continued to share your prayers of support for my wife and I with the Highways and Byways Ministry, and we're very thankful for that. Please continue to do that because your prayers and your gifts and acts of concern are doing more than many of us will ever know. But of course, God knows, and that's the main thing the most important thing it would take just a moment just to share in this bread to share in this special meal together please pray with me father we're just so grateful that we have such a oneness of purpose even sharing here this morning Father, just help us to realize, to always realize that the purpose that you have for us is always bigger than us, but yet is very much dependent on us. 
help us to take this time of transition that we're going through and use it as a blessing to bless others, to think much more of others, as the word says, than even of ourselves. Just Father, bless us as we share this bread this morning, as we thank you for every blessing in Christ's name, amen. And would you pray also with me over this cup as well? Father, we're just so grateful that your son bore the cup of sorrow and the cup of shame and the cup of suffering and the cup of humiliation and the cup of ostracism that is all included in what we call crucifixion. He bore that cup in our place so that we could share a cup of joy this morning. Thank you for the joy that only knowing the love that you have for us brings in Christ's name, amen. Well, here we are. You know, as I look back on a month ago when we started trying to figure out how we would do church and ministry were um, apart, I can't believe how much we've, we've learned in terms of technology and other stuff. But one of the things we're really trying to do is make sure we don't get too good at it. We're trying to intentionally stay on the high side of mediocre so that you guys don't get too comfortable meeting on your computers in your pajamas. We want to really every week try and mess up with at least one thing so that you really want to come back together uh, at the building when we're ready to do that. And I know that many of you, myself included, are excited and looking forward um, to doing that. And, uh, you know, there's so many things that are going on in the world and, and there's so much that's there. Um, but I'm excited to be here with you this morning talking to you about God and, and his incredible love that he has for us. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, the, the story or the illustration about how to, how to catch a monkey. Um, and and I, I looked this up. I think this is actually true that people actually do this, uh, is that the way you can catch some monkeys uh, is that you can take a coconut or a gourd of some kind and you hollow it out and you drill a small hole uh, in the coconut. And then once it's empty and you want the hole to be um, just big enough that the monkey can get his hand in, but that um, once he makes a fist, he can't get it out. And then you tie the monkey to a tree or, so, or not the monkey, you tie the, the coconut to a tree or something else. Uh, and then you put a mushy banana or something inside of that uh, coconut that the monkey will really want. And what happens is the monkey comes along and sticks his hand in the hole and then grabs hold of whatever it is that you've placed in here that you know that he's going to want so badly. And that he'll then start pulling to try and get his hand out. And the fist cannot fit out of the hole that his unclenched hand can easily fit into. 
Now, a monkey had, once the monkey has his fist around that mushy banana, he's got a choice. His choice is to give up this little thing that he wants, that he's got his hand on, and to immediately be able to slide his hand out and have a life of freedom. He can save his own life. He can have everything that he wants. He just has to go find another banana that's not in the trap. Or the monkey can continue to hold fast and strong and secure to that banana and just continue to fight against it and, and accept that you're a slave because you will not let go of the mushy banana in the coconut. Now, obviously, this would only work on certain monkeys because the smart monkey knows to just let go and run away and leave the banana for the next monkey that comes along that doesn't have the self-control, that doesn't have the ability to give away the little thing that he wants to gain a whole world of life and freedom. And I want you to hold on to that image because we're going to come back to it here in a little while. Um, but between now and then, I want to talk about God's unbelievable, incredible love that he has for us, the value that he gives to us, uh, the amount of, of devotion that God has for all of uh, those who he's created, for all humans. Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, the story of not only the Bible, but of the entire creation, the history of humanity and the universe and the world that we live in begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And, the dark, and, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. It was in doing this that God gave us the gifts of mountains to climb, of trees to admire of flowers and plants that bring us joy, but also plants that bring us food and uh, vegetables and fruit. Uh, it was doing this that God created uh, the heavens and the earth. He created the skies and everything that are in it, the sun and the moon. And God gave us the incredible gift of stars. As the creation story in Genesis 1 continues, uh, it goes on in, in verses 27 and 28 to say, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The whole playground, not just of this earth, which is what we often think of when we think about the creation. We often uh, talk about uh, the land and the seas and the skies and the birds and the plants and, and, and the animals and all of that. The playground that belongs to humans was created so that he could build up to this climactic moment where he creates a man and a woman, each in their own way, in God's beautiful image. We are the image bearers of God. And this is true of us 
uh, in ways that are not true of any of the other animals. It's, in fact, in this text in Genesis 1.28, it's told to us that we're to rule over all the other animals, the fish and the birds and the creatures that move on. We are to be the ones that are in charge and caretakers of this, given us a special role in this universe. But it's not just the world, it's the whole universe. God places the stars in the night sky. And whenever I think about the creation, for me, this is one of the most beautiful things to think about. In the story, as it unfolds in Genesis chapter 1, you get this idea of God creating, and it's in this very short time, and he's, he's placing the stars in the sky. And, and when you have a star that you see at night, uh, I understand the closest star uh, other than our sun to planet Earth uh, is a star called Alpha Centauri A. And Alpha Centauri A is 4.3 light years away. And so when you see the light that is, that is Alpha Centauri A in the night sky, the closest star to our planet, and it's 4.3 light years away, that means that the light that you are seeing uh, tonight or last night of that star, which is the closest, left that star 51 months ago so that it could reach your eye tonight. The, the, what you're seeing is not what that star looks like tonight, because of the distance that that star is from where you are today, that that light that you're seeing is a glimpse of what that star looked like 51 months ago, 4.3 light years from where you stand looking up at it today. We live in a universe where God gave us the gift of stars that send their light across years of space travel so that we can look up at night and gasp at the beauty of what God has created. With all of that beauty and with all of that grandeur and with all of that significance, the pinnacle, the high point, the climax of the creation was not stars. It was when God made a man and a woman and he made them in, in his image. And he placed upon them the stamp of his authority so that as we walk on this earth, we do so as the only creatures on the planet and in the entire universe that are made image. We are the ones who look like him, but it's not just that we have his appearance because as each one of us looks very different, we're each in our own way uh, image bearers of God. It doesn't mean that we have his physical features. It means we have his authority. We have his stamp of being his beings in the world that are, are the high point of the creation. God created us to be very special in the world, to be truly his. And he gives us a value that is above and beyond any other part of the creation. John chapter 1 speaks of the events that are taking place in Genesis chapter 1 a little bit differently, and it does it through the lens of the role that Jesus, the Son of God, played in the creation. And in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skipping down to verse 9, he continues, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of his one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1 tells us something that is 
uh, only there in the background and in between the lines of Genesis chapter 1, that Jesus was there in the beginning and that Jesus was part of the creation and that through him all that was created came into being through the power of the Son even before the incarnation. Even as God is creating Jesus, uh, part of the Trinity with God as the Spirit of God is hovering above the waters, three and one are there in the creation and they're in the creation aiming towards the high point of men and women created in God's image, knowing, knowing that once they create, it will be fruitful and multiply and populate the earth and fill it with their sons and daughters and grandchildren, that the world would then be filled with people who would rebel against God. Father, the Son, and the Spirit knew when they chose to create humans out of a desire to have this loving relationship with humans that it would result in the necessary incarnation of the Son, that Jesus would have to be born, and that the Word that was there in the beginning would have to become flesh and walk among people whom He created but who no longer recognized Him. John writes about this in such a beautiful and poetic way. And he says that that Jesus the Son would come to his own, which is how God feels about us. That when Jesus was born in the manger, that what God understood to be happening is that I created the whole world for these people that have rebelled against me and rejected me, that have constantly chosen idols and the things of this world, and yet I will go to them, my people, my own, even though they've rejected me. And I'll go, and some won't receive me, but some will. And he talks about those who believe in his name and who become what we were always meant to be, the children of God. God's sons and God's daughters. That the beautiful plan that was present in Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 was that humans would become God's children. That God loves us like a father. Not born of him in the way that we often think of, John describes, but that that we will become his adopted children because of Jesus, because of Jesus. And so when you think to ourselves, what does your life or my life matter to God? It matters this much that we are the ones that he created for. We are the ones that his son was born for. And that, that the whole point of all of this was so that we could become his children who could see his glory in the son and who, who came from the Father full of grace and truth, that Jesus offers us all of these things. And it's incredible to me that the God who gave us the gift of stars also gave us the gift of the creation and also gave us the gift of life, even knowing that our life would require his son to come down and live among us and eventually die for us. But this love that that we often think about and talk about is not just a love that is universal or that's for everyone or that's that's all uh, big picture. This is a deeply personal love. Uh, In Psalm 139, uh, the psalmist is writing, and he describes the way that God knows him in this really beautifully poetic language. And, And I love that that the Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 and the Psalm 139, when they talk about this kind of relationship that God wants with us, they often have to move into different types of poetry to tell us about it, not just so that it's memorable, but because there's something about the relationship of God that is more than just factual. It is personal. And so the psalmist writes, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret. Together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so it's suddenly not that that God created for all of us, but that God was there in the creation of each of us. 
And then as, as you were, even before you were born, the, as you had the life that you were being given, as you were being knit together in your mother's womb, that God is there in this incredible personal way, knitting you together. His hands and his heart and his eyes see you and know you and shape you and form you, knowing all the days of your life that are written in his book before one of your, life, one of your days was even lived. As you're living in, inside of your own mother, God is creating you and creating me. He knows us in the most personal ways. It's no surprise then that Jesus, when he was preaching in Matthew 10, uh, would say, even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And again, a reminder that the animals and that the created world is here not equal to us, but that we are here with authority over it, that our value is greater than sparrows. And God tells us that he knows the numbers of hairs on your very head. And I know that what most of you are thinking is that one of the real advantages of Zoom is that when we pray, you are all reminded very visibly that it's easier to count my hairs than yours. And I know that that's true. And it's fine. I, I get a little, I try and degrease a little bit to take a little bit of the sheen and shine off of my prayer scalp when we pray. Um, but for some of you who are less follically challenged, God even knows how many hairs you have. And it didn't even take him longer to count. He just knows all of us and each of us that, that well, that personally, that whether it's your physical self or your inner self, Alton just said my halo is showing. That is hilarious. Um, that whether it's our physical self or our inner self, or our spiritual self, or our relational self, that there's not a part of you that is hidden from God. God knows all of you. He created all of you and he continues to know all of you. There is not a part of you that is unavailable and inaccessible to him and he loves you. This is the value that God gives to every one of the people he creates. In John 3, we're told that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we have to remember that when it comes to establishing the price of a thing, the value of a thing, when we try and figure out what is something worth, you know, you guys know Leah's in real estate. And when you're going to sell a house, you go and get the comps and the other things. And what you're doing is figuring out what would other people pay for this house? What's its fair market value? And the value of a house is determined by what other people would also be willing to pay for it. But ultimately, what a house is valued at is the price that is the highest price that anyone is willing to pay for it. That's the value of a thing. The truth is that when it comes to us, that God sent his son into the world so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That the price that God was willing to pay for every one of us was the life of his son, Jesus. What's our value? What's our value? That value is uncountable. It's insurmountable. It's one of the most unbelievable things that we could ever think about or understand or what the, the could, that God could give for us. What more could God give than what he gave? And the text goes on and it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but whoever, uh, but so that he might save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Whoever believes will receive eternal life. Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. He offers this incredible invitation. The light came into the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light. And here we come full circle, and we're reminded of the monkey whose fist is in the coconut wrapped around a mushy banana, wrapped around 
darkness, wrapped around imprisonment, wrapped around the meaninglessness of the things that we are unwilling to let go of to accept freedom and life and light and all that God has been offering us from the moment that he created the universe and put the stars in the sky and sent his son to the manger and allowed his son to go to the cross so that we might be saved. God offers us all of that and we look at the things that we care more about in this world than God and the truth is that compared to the love that God has offered to us and the value that he has for us, the desire for us to be his son and his daughters, that we look at that freedom and that life and that light, and we look at our greed and our sin, we look at our, our desire for the things of our life, we look at our anxiety and our fear, and we cling to that mushy banana. And, and you can just, God is just there saying, let go of that which is meaningless. Let go of that which doesn't matter and take all that I'm offering to you. Don't you see how much I love you if you'll just let go of the junk in your life and your world and come to me? So the question I want to ask you today, and it's the question you have to answer every day, is this. God loves you so much. God values you so much. You are his masterpiece. You're the pinnacle of the creation. He's what he desires from the beginning, and he was willing to give his son for you, what are you clinging to that's keeping you from living into that incredible life that God offers, of being his son and his daughter? What's the mushy bananas in your world? And I'm not just talking about sin. It certainly includes sin. It can be greed. It can be busyness. It can be your own vanity, your success, your desire to have what you want in this and every moment. It can be the desire for you to to have power over others, uh, just fear and anxiety. There are so many idols that we put all of our energy into and we let control us instead of letting God pour into us and bless us. But what are you holding on to that's in the coconut that's keeping you from experiencing freedom and life and light in the, in the life of living in the presence of God and in the way of the light, accepting the gift of Jesus Christ. God loves you so much and yet you choose the little mushy bananas of the world instead of his good, incredible, unknowable, priceless love. I invite you this week to let go. Uh, we haven't done an invitation for the past couple weeks, uh, and we don't really have a way to respond to the invitation within this format. But I want to tell you right now, if in the past couple weeks you've had uh, a, a need that you need to respond to the gospel in some way, I want to encourage you to reach out to one of our ministers or our elders this week. Uh, connect with us. Let us know what your prayer needs are, your spirit needs are. Uh, if you need help letting go of the mushy bananas that have grabbed hold of you in this, this season of life, or if you're ready to commit your life to Jesus and fully accept the value and love that he offers you as he offers you the opportunity uh, to become one of his sons or daughters because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they offer to join that through the waters of baptism so that you can live into the incredible blessings of God. Reach out to us this week. We'll find a way to make those blessings available to you, to connect with you and to be with you, to pray with you. Or if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, we can make sure that that can happen. There's not a quarantine that can stop that. And I want you to, to be thinking about that, praying about that. Um, and, and this week, reflect on one thing you need to let go of so that you can come more into uh, the life that God's inviting you into during this time. May God bless you uh, as we have another song. Uh, and then Kevin's going to lead us in a shepherd's prayer.
Yeah.